Welcome to Assorted Goods. I'm Dan, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today as we take this curious look at what's going on in the world. I hope you're doing well out there. I appreciate you giving me a little bit of the time of day. In this episode, we're talking about Facebook or Meta. It's one of the more notable news stories of the past month or so. One of the planet's most powerful and impactful companies has decided to switch things up, blaze a new trail, you know, really work on themselves. But if you didn't know, Facebook has changed its name to Meta. And yes, there are plenty of jokes to be made in there somewhere. But this change occurs on the tail end of yet another controversy, which is at the tail end of years of controversies and scandals. So Facebook's going in a new direction. In this episode, we're going to take a deeper look at why Facebook decided to change their name. We're going to revisit their complicated past. And also, what exactly are they gambling on our future being? And is it a fresh idea or something that we were already pretty much on our way to being? All of that's coming up here on Assorted Goods. Assorted Goods is produced by Disinformed Media in association with Verboten Productions. Promotional support comes from the Always Up Network and DeanBlundell.com. You know, I remember the first time I heard about Facebook. It was the summer before I started high school. I was hanging out with some friends, and one of them logged into this mysterious website. And at the time, Facebook, if you wanted to be a part of it, you needed an invitation from somebody who was already on it or in one of the networks, which commonly at that point were schools. Those early years of Facebook utilized the classic marketing technique, which is the creation of an insider feeling. You know, when somebody invited you to join the website, it made you feel special. Oh boy, does Facebook make people feel special now. But up until I deleted my Facebook account for good this past summer, just after I turned 30, I realized that I had had a Facebook profile for pretty much exactly half of my lifetime, 15 of my 30 years. I got it in 2006 in the summer. I deleted it in 2021 in the summer. Oh boy, how things come full circle. But the company itself hasn't been around much longer than that. Founded in 2004, and I mean, look how far they've come. From an Ivy League dorm room being used to rate how hot the girls on campus were, to a nation-destroying, mind-manipulating, advertising giant and one of the largest companies on earth. Now, after all that time, and after becoming one of the most profitable and influential entities in the history of the human species, they've decided to change their name to Meta. And I'm sure there are plenty of good jokes to be made about that new name, and so I'll share a couple that I found. Like, uh, quote, I've never met a worse name than that. <laughs> or another from Twitter. This is all because Mark Zuckerberg never met a girl until college. Oh, bazing. Solid. Even the Twitter account for Wendy's got in on the action, simply tweeting that they would change their company name to Meet. Gotta love when other big corporate entities get in on the action, eh? But jokes aside, and let me just say, there's never a bad time to crack jokes about Facebook, but you know, it's the horrible things they've done that makes it funny. But it's really just that. It's the horrible things they've done. The name change comes on the tail end of yet another scandal, yet another group of people testifying to the United States Congress, and of course, most of all, and as is tradition, more of Zuckerberg saying, It was my mistake, and I'm sorry. And I'm sure this time he genuinely means it. Now, it should be noted that Facebook's rebrand is for their overall corporate entity. The website and app, Facebook, will still go by the same name. Meta will be the name of the overarching conglomerate that Mark Zuckerberg is at the head of. Kind of like with Google. People keep referring to the company as Google, but their actual overarching company name is Alphabet. 
sort of the same thing here for Facebook and Meta and all that. But this rebrand to Meta, which came along with an awkward video of Mark Zuckerberg walking around a virtual world explaining his vision of the future, but there are two angles here to look at with the why of it all. First is the carefully crafted message of the company itself. According to Zuckerberg, the company formerly known as Facebook is aiming to change the name of the overarching company that owns, obviously, Facebook, but also Instagram and WhatsApp, because they want to distance themselves from the website that started it all and broaden their horizons for the future. The company sees greater possibilities coming. They don't want to be perceived simply as a social media site, or even just a social media company. Zuckerberg was quoted after the rebrand saying the following, quote, today we are seen as a social media company, but in our DNA, we are a company that builds technology to connect people. And the metaverse is the next frontier, just like social networking was when we got started. Now, we'll come back to the metaverse later on, but this is what their message has always been. It's about connecting people. And to be fair, Facebook has connected the world in a way that is beyond any previous moment in human history. Social media caused our world to cross into a new frontier of connectedness. And what we've got so far is, well, you've seen it. You know what I mean. But then there's the other side of it, the classic tactic of business experts, which is that after years of scandals and stories of Facebook doing everything from harvesting personal data and selling it to allowing blatantly false information to spread to allowing radical communities to operate and flourish. And that's barely the tippy freaking top of the iceberg. But after all that, Facebook has decided to play the change the name to distance ourselves from scandal card. And that's not an unprecedented move. They're not the first company to ever do this. It's happened before. Philip Morris Cigarettes changed their name to Altria Group in 2003 after years of scandal over the harm of cigarettes. Valiant Pharmaceuticals rebranded to Bosch Health in 2018 after they were caught performing some creative accounting, let's call it. And then there's name changes just for the purpose that Facebook is stating on their end right now. You know, distancing itself from one specific identity to broaden their horizons. A good example is Dunkin' Donuts, who a few years ago simply became Dunkin', distancing itself from the donuts. And if you've seen some of the things that Dunkin' does now in terms of their marketing and the products they sell, well, you can kind of see what they were thinking. But anyways, it's easy to guess why companies that are going through a rough time may decide to rebrand but there has to be some sort of process or philosophy behind it, right? Well, then how about this from the website of digital marketing firm Savvy? Quote, while unfun to talk about, bad PR happens, does it ever. Sometimes your brand makes a mistake or becomes associated with something that you never intended. An environmental scandal, hidden data breach, or a lawsuit, for example, could be enough to make your brand infamous. For this reason, talk to your audience. Find out how you need to change and make these changes both internally and externally. How's that sound so far? Well, then there's this, quote, Remember that any rebranding must be a reflection of, not the driver of, this changed customer expectation. It's also worth noting that your customers are likely stressed, angry, or frustrated. So crisis rebranding should be done with total transparency and authenticity. Transparency and authenticity. Now, let me ask a minute of you here just to consider a thought. From what you know of Facebook and what you've seen of Mark Zuckerberg and all the scandals and all the things they've been up to and his weird videos where he talks about the name change or really anything about this social media giant and its history at any point of all of this, 
do the words transparency and authenticity come to mind? Yeah, I know. So here's just one more for you on the subject of rebranding from the website prweek.com. Quote, a successful rebranding must indicate a new direction, demonstrate a change in the corporate culture of the company, engage all stakeholders, consumers, policymakers, staff, and investors, address and correct issues that created a crisis, and communicate the company's vision and message. Is that any better? I don't know. A change in corporate culture? Probably not at this point. I mean, they did demonstrate that they have a new direction that they want to go, but that's about it. And really, that new direction feels more like a misdirection, for the rest of us at least. And in Facebook's case, you could see why a rebrand would be on their agenda. They have a lot of sins to atone for, and really a massive climb to ever get anywhere near something resembling public trust again. The most recent scandal where whistleblower Francis Haugen, a former product manager at the company, revealed thousands of internal documents indicating that Facebook had its own internal research and therefore knowledge of how harmful their apps, specifically Instagram, can be on their users, specifically younger female users. The whistleblower accounts also indicated that Facebook's influence is contributing to a genocide in Ethiopia, casual, eh? And that very little was done to curb the growing extremism on the website leading up to the January 6th riot at the United States Capitol. And that's just these last couple of months. Facebook has faced scandals for years, mostly in the same areas. You know, affects on people's mental health, the impact of misinformation on political situations worldwide. But there's also all the Facebook classic scandals. You know, harvesting users' personal data for its sale to advertisers, their inability to properly police the content on their site, especially in other countries and in other languages, thanks to Facebook rolling out their product at a pace that far exceeded their ability to run the site with any sort of moderating presence in many areas. In fact, here's a super quick brush through some of Facebook's scandals. It's kind of like a really shitty lightning round, okay? Ready? All right. 2012, Facebook performed psychology experiments on 70,000 unknowing users, testing if those users could be manipulated by the changing of words in certain posts. Now, that one kind of fell under the radar. In fact, I had never heard of it before researching for this episode. And I got to tell you, it's a little ominous now that they were just innocently testing whether or not they could manipulate people's brains with the changing of words. In hindsight, and after everything we've seen Facebook do since, yeah, seems a little bit uh, ahead of the game on their part. But hey, they didn't know. Anyways. 2016, during the U.S. presidential elections, BuzzFeed publishes a report that fake news stories vastly outperformed real news stories on the website. Facebook apologized. Yeah, apologized for making so much money. 2018, the Cambridge Analytica scandal, where Facebook sold the data of millions of users to the company Cambridge Analytica, which used that data to sell manipulation campaigns for political purposes, including a major player in the United States elections. Personally, after that one blew over, I suddenly came to the realization that this was a company that had reached the classic too-big-to-fail status. Also in 2018, the genocide of Rohingya Muslims in Myanmar was linked to the use of Facebook to spread violent misinformation. 2019, Facebook gets fined $5 billion for misusing user data. 2020, Zuckerberg declares they won't fact-check politicians. Then later in the year, thanks to COVID, the company is forced, mostly by public pressure, to enforce rules on their content, although even then they don't do it really all that effectively or with any of that classic transparency. So yeah, 
changing their name has probably been in the works for a little while. It's been a rough couple of years for Facebook. Zuckerberg and Facebook's motto for a long time was famously move fast and break things. And in hindsight, that one is kind of on the nose a little bit. All right, we could talk about the scandals for, for days. You could do a whole series on them. I'm sure there probably has been. But frankly, we know about the scandals. And Facebook, ex- excuse me, yes, Meta, although it just doesn't sound good, you know, it doesn't roll off the tongue, or maybe I'm just not used to it yet. But their reputation really hasn't changed. And how could it? Facebook may now be Meta, but they've never actually gotten away from the other problem. On top of all the scandals, that's the big man himself, Mark Zuckerberg. He's the guy who's had to make the apologies, testify before Congress, take the heat for everything that's happened. And yet, Mr. I'm Sorry is still spearheading this rebrand. He was the guy in the video with the announcement announcing the name change. Another pretending to be human experiment. I know, it's an overused joke, but still, it's never not wrong. But he's still there. How can a company move on from its past and its scandals, or more so, how can they trick the rest of us into trusting them again if the same untrustworthy face is front and center? Well, here's the problem. Zuckerberg hasn't gone anywhere because Zuckerberg doesn't have to go anywhere. He holds 58% of Facebook's voting shares. It's majority control, which means that whichever direction the ship goes, Zuck is the captain, and the company, and therefore, really, a lot of us on planet Earth too, are going to go where he steers it. It's a frightening prospect, is it not? Zuckerberg is essentially untouchable at the moment at the top of this company. So this raises the question, can the company blaze a trail into a new future with Zuckerberg still at the helm? And is their gamble on the future completely tied up with him? Is it any wonder why the name change to Meta was almost completely blasted as a farce and a joke? I mean, they keep putting the robot man at the front of everything. It's hard for it not to be. Now, scandals aside, and I know that's not something that's easy to just brush aside, but there are the non-scandalous reasons for the name change, too. Bringing us back to Meta's view on their own rebranding. Their vision of the future, that is. Facebook's demographics have shifted. Get this, here in Canada... 2.4% of all Facebook users are aged 13 to 17. Now, globally, that number is 5.8%. Those numbers are really small for the part of the demographic that is really indicative of your future. If people aren't on Facebook now, they're probably not going to get on it in the future later on. Their sweet spot is in the 25 to 34 age band, which are people like me who grew up with Facebook when it was the cool new thing. Globally, that number in that age group sits at 31.3% of users. People 45 plus now make up about 30% of their global user base, a number that has been on the rise in the last decade. Plain and simple, Facebook has become the social media app of choice for the older demographics, which are the less appealing demographics to advertisers, to any company's long-term prospects. So, Facebook is trying to avoid going the way of the dodo bird, or more applicably, going the way of MySpace. And they may already be on that path, and they may be aware that that's what the future of that part of their company has in store. Young people are fleeing Facebook, and the company's reputation with a younger, more socially conscious generation may actually just be beyond repair, name change or not. Although that same generation seems to forget that their more preferred app of choice, Instagram, is also a Facebook product or a meta product. Anyways, 
distancing themselves from their primary product looks to be the company abandoning what they may feel is a sinking ship and looking for a new way into the future. And that future is right there in the name as it hints. And it's what we mentioned earlier. It's in the metaverse. So what is the metaverse? Well, we're going to take a quick break here, but on the other side, we're creating our digital avatar, plugging into another world and figuring out what the hell is the metaverse and why is one of the world's most powerful companies choosing to embrace it as our future. For the moment, as always, Assorted Goods aims to promote and spread the word for other independent podcasts and support the wonderful people in the indie podcast community. Each episode of the show features a couple of promos from podcasts that, hey, might be your next favorite show. So stick around and Assorted Goods will be right back. My name is Demond, and I am the host of Demond Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. Join me as I chat with people all about that creative life. So, if you're interested in cool things like books, creativity, podcasting, and fun, Demond Does the Six Questions is a treat destination available you wherever you download your podcast. See it, hear it, speak it, live. Hey, this is Kate. I'm a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician, and I collect stories. Everything from true crime to trauma to parenthood. There's a lot more in common between depression and sociopathy, or between serial killers and podcasters, than you might think. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at iwbpodcast.com and iwbpodcast on social media. Welcome back to the show. Shout out to Kay from Ignorance Was Bliss and Damon from Damon Does Six Questions, a show that I've been on, by the way. I've done the Six Question Gauntlet. Both great shows. I highly recommend them, and I appreciate both of them for being such excellent members of the podcast community. Now, as we get going here again, we're talking Facebook and its recent name change to Meta. And now we're going to look at the direction that the company is planning to go in with that new name. And that's towards the Metaverse. In the first half of the episode, we mentioned that quote from Mark Zuckerberg, where he said, the metaverse is the next frontier, just like social networking was when we got started. And that's the idea here, a new frontier. No, this is not some crappy new Star Trek series, but it's really a risky prospect for any company to dive into. This past July, Facebook announced that they were assembling a team to work on the metaverse. More recently, they've announced a plan to spend $10 billion in the coming years on developing the technologies for the metaverse. And Metabook, or Face Meta, or Facebook Meta, or whatever they are now, has been dabbling in this field for years. They bought into the virtual reality company Oculus in 2014. Their investment into video calling software has also been a big step forward for them, which included their portal devices, which were video calling devices that they released in 2019. And in the course of 2021, Zuckerberg has provided personal demonstrations of the company's preliminary metaverse concepts. These included doing multiple interviews in a digital space with avatars, having real conversations. Suck was quoted, Our hope is that within the next decade, the metaverse will reach a billion people, host hundreds of billions of dollars of digital commerce, and support jobs for millions of creators and developers. 
Now, maybe it's just me, but that kind of sounds a lot like more of the old moving fast and breaking things philosophy. Just like their business strategy for their social media products, which was to get as many users signed up and logged in as humanly possible as fast as possible. And the consequences that come afterwards? Well, that's the perfect time for an apology, I suppose. But let's backtrack here and start with something really basic. What the hell is the metaverse? Well, the concept of the metaverse, if you go to the Wikipedia page for the very term, and all good internet researchers start with the basics there, but the concept is defined as a, quote, a hypothesized iteration of the internet, supporting persistent online 3D virtual environments through conventional personal computing, as well as virtual and augmented reality headsets. I know it's a little convoluted of a concept when it's worded that way, but the original idea is believed to have come from the 1992 Neil Stevenson novel called Snow Crash, where the metaverse is a massively long digital street with digital properties all along it, and it's all owned by a large technology company, which, you know, science fiction has always had this tendency to be a bit ahead of the game, you know, or it's possible, I guess, that maybe it's the inspiration that gets followed. But if I want to oversimplify what the metaverse is with a metaphor, <laughs> but the metaverse in its fully fleshed out form would be something kind of like the matrix, you know, a world that people can plug into and experience in full. I know that's not a proper metaphor, but you know, it set up that stupid joke that I just made, but let me carry on now. At the moment, we're a million miles from being fully immersed physically and psychologically into a digital world where we can, you know, feel it, see everything as though we were really there. At the current moment, our technology is still fighting through the kinks of even things like virtual reality headsets. Specifically, they can't seem to find a way to make people not look like idiots when they're wearing them and moving around. But at the same time, concepts like haptic feedback, which aim to give people tactile sensation from their digital experiences, are in the works and are coming along, although it's probably still a long way off from being anything that's widespread in use. A venture capitalist named Matthew Ball wrote an essay on the metaverse in 2020, where he indicated that the aim of the creation of a metaverse would include these characteristics. First, it would have to be persistent, meaning it doesn't pause or turn off. People would come and go and the metaverse would continue on, just like the world we live in. People should be able to move between having full self-control or being able to participate in groups as they see fit. It should also apparently have a fully functioning economy. And this may integrate the technology of cryptocurrency, really. It should also be an experience that spans not only the digital space, but also extends into the physical world. It should also give users the ability to hold assets or digital goods that are transferable anywhere in the metaverse space. So, for example, if you buy something in one place in the metaverse, it's yours, and it can come with you into other parts of that space, too. And also, Ball indicates that the metaverse should be run by many entities not controlled by any singular organization or company. Well, there's a lot of money and control on the line. Something tells me that big entities are going to be fighting for as much of it as they can possibly get. Again, as is tradition around here on planet Earth. And yeah, all that sounds real peachy in its basic sort of concept. I mean, from what I got from it, it's about the same as what Mark Zuckerberg has said about the concept of the metaverse, and that is that it's the next internet. An enhancement of the digital world going from our sort of previous history of connectivity and information sharing to becoming an actual physical, digital, intertwined, immersive experience. And if it sounds like an extremely far-fetched idea, 
Well, you may want to consider how many elements of the metaverse concept we already have in our world, including some that may seem pretty innocuous on the surface. But think about it. We can tour homes with virtual reality tours. Pilots can get real training in virtual flight simulators. Virtual and augmented reality games have been around for years now, with VR headsets becoming common in the last decade especially. Although again, the technology still has some hurdles to get over. The online social game Second Life has been around now for almost two decades, and it's actually probably the closest thing to the concept of the metaverse that we have already. People in Second Life have digital properties. They walk around as their little digital avatars. There's real money changing hands. People run businesses. They actually live Second Lives in Second Life. And even after almost 18 years of it being out, it still has 1 million active users who on average put in four hours a day into the game. Video games have always been a bit of a metaverse of their own. I mean, we play as characters in digital worlds, get a little lost in the fantasy. Online games like Roblox and Fortnite are now already moving people into the digital space for things we used to pretty much reserve for reality. Things like concerts and social gatherings are now taking place with people showing up as their avatar characters and experiencing real events, making social connections, having conversations digitally. Facebook's shift to meta is an investment in the idea that this is the future. The same way the internet changed everything, our full dive headlong into the digital sphere is the inevitable next step. Zuckerberg himself was quoted, we believe the metaverse will be the successor to the mobile internet. Couldn't be much more straightforward than that, now could he? I mean, we're obsessed with our digital world, aren't we? Our apps, our social media, our phones, all of it. Did we ever imagine that we would go in any other direction than further in the one we've already been pointed towards? I mean, was there ever an imagination that maybe we'd all one day wake up and go, that's okay, that's enough technology and digital world for us. We're ready to go back to the old ways. I mean, obviously not. But Facebook seems to think so too. That is where we're headed. And although it pains me to give them and Zuckerberg any credit, I find it hard to bet against their idea here. Whether they are the ones to become masters of the digital universe would remain to be seen. But the fact that one of the biggest companies in the world is investing a huge amount of resources and pointing their corporate compass towards this future, it may just be one of those things that they will into reality. At this moment in time, we're kind of at the nexus of some major technological ideas that all seem to be in the same vein. Cryptocurrency has created a second economy, a digital economy with a digital currency, breaking away from the physical monetary systems that we've had in the past. Then there's these NFTs, which, as much as I don't understand them and I like to crack my fair share of jokes at their expense, but I have to admit, there's an interesting concept at the heart of these NFTs because they raise the question, how do you own something in the digital space? And think about it. So much of our world, so much of our history, so many of our laws and governments and how they formed have been shaped over the years, a lot of it has been based around the concept of ownership, ownership over property, goods, money, and in some cases in history, ownership over people. Wars have been fought over these ideas. Exactly this. How do I proclaim that something is mine? And then how do I enforce that ownership? NFT seems to be trying, at least, to create a way for people to have essentially property and ownership rights in the digital space. All of this is in conjunction with blockchain technology, too, which has changed the way that digital transactions and 
things like ownership are handled in the digital world. So right there, money and ownership of goods in the digital space. Two pieces of what Matthew Ball was saying the metaverse would need in order to function properly. And then you combine that with the development of virtual reality, augmented reality, haptic feedback, all of it. And it's not hard to start to get the idea that maybe we are on the path for what Zuckerberg and Facebook, now Meta, is seeing in the future. Right now, their goal is for the metaverse to be, like they've always said about their products, a place for people to connect. They always release a nice little ad after a scandal where they try to remind you that, hey, we're just here to bring you together. Facebook imagines it being useful for education, professional meetings. Oh, God, imagine Zoom meetings, except you have to sit there with a big, dumb digital head on and look at your other coworkers' big, dumb digital heads. Ugh, that's the future for you. But that's just a preliminary aim. You know, hey, it's just going to be for meetings and putting people together so they can talk across the world. It's just an avatar-based version of what social media kind of already has been for years. The thing is, though, we know that there's going to be so much more to it. And that's where we come to here at the end of the episode. If the future is a fully digital experience, one that transcends even beyond the boundaries that the internet age has crossed, then much like the last 30 years of the internet and social media and all the stuff that they've brought along with them, we're going to once again cross boundaries and therefore experience consequences we never saw coming. And now, one of the most powerful and influential companies ever to exist wants to lead the charge into this further unknown. And at the helm of a company riddled with scandals, with too much power, a company that has not remotely fixed any of its existing problems beyond being able to spin things away with a PR campaign, a company that preys on people's weaknesses, their insecurities, their fears, one that created a tool used by others to encourage genocides, to sabotage democratic processes, to harvest people's personal and digital identities at the head of it is Mark Zuckerberg, Mr. I'm sorry for all that. This company now stands with a field of fire behind them, looking into the future and saying, looks like we're the ones for the job. I mean, in an article for the website The Verge, writer Casey Newton had a line that I thought sums it up well too. Quote, a thriving metaverse would raise questions both familiar and strange about how the virtual space is governed, how its contents would be moderated, and what its existence would do to our shared sense of reality. We're still getting our arms wrapped around the two-dimensional version of social platforms. Wrangling the 3D version could be exponentially harder, end quote. And that pretty much sums it up. I really like that bit, actually. So it's exactly that. Facebook wants to build a new world much like they did with their social media products. And the promises are the same. It's about bringing people together, sharing experiences, blah, 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 blah. But we've learned already, after 17 years, this company cannot handle its own creations. And the damage that they are doing, their mantra that they built the company on of move fast and break things, really, that's their truth. That's their cornerstone. That's what it all comes back to for them. And Zuckerberg hasn't lied about this. He said it. I shared that quote. Within a decade, they want a billion people using this platform. They can't even get Facebook under control. And now they're looking for the next one. It's a little unsettling. I mean, standing here where we are right now and thinking, all right, this time it's going to be different. 
It's like an abusive relationship with a company that just keeps challenging everyday users of their products with the thought of, hey, see if you can live without us. At no point through any of the scandals over these years has anything actually changed. The same people are in charge. The same empty apologies are made. And the same damage continues to be done. And we know, above all, that laws aren't going to keep up. They never can. Governments don't ever understand what they're trying to regulate when it comes to tech. And yet, on they go. So, what do we do? Oh, I mean, yes, come to this podcast for great advice on how to take down one of the biggest corporate entities on earth. That's absolutely a recipe for success. But seriously, there is no simple solution. There is no way out of it. The fact of the matter is, Facebook is forging our new digital future the same way they forged our previous digital past. And there's not really a whole lot we can do about it unless they chase off everybody that uses their products. I mean, it is entirely possible that this gamble on the metaverse by Facebook is the wrong one. I mean, in 20 years, there's always the possibility that we might look back at this new direction of Facebook slash meta as the moment that set them on the course to being one of the great business failures of the century. Honestly, we don't know. It all depends on whether or not they're right. But what we do know right now is this. Facebook is in an existential crisis. The demographics of their user base are shifting, and not in a favorable way. And they're losing out to newer, more youth-oriented social media apps. So they're worried. And I mean, you add in all the scandals, all the terrible rep, and the fact that now, again, with the continuity of Mark Zuckerberg, the company really hasn't moved on from its previous identity, despite there being a new name and a new weird sort of logo that looks like a mask thing. It's very odd. I don't understand. But that's where we are with Facebook. And if Mark Zuckerberg and Meta, Facebook, sorry, I just can't get used to it. I, I just can't. I will in time, I'm sure. But if they continue forward with the same reckless abandon that they've lived with since their creation of the company, then we literally don't know what harm may lay ahead. We can't imagine the world that may exist with a metaverse in the same way that we never would have been able to imagine what the world would be like with the robust social media spheres that we have now. And what's really concerning to me is that a company like Meta, who wants to be large and in charge of the future of the metaverse, either doesn't know what the consequences of the future may be either, or worse, they simply don't care. You know, one of the definitions of the word meta is referring to itself or the conventions of a genre. So meta humor is a self-referential joke. And so therefore, this name change kind of feels like a taunt. Facebook is riddled with scandals and they face no real consequences and nothing seems to be able to stop that train. They know what they are. They know what they can do. They know their history. They know what they're doing to people day to day. And that's the reality we have now. They're just continuing to move fast and break things while the world around them continues to foot the bill for the damage they've caused. We didn't take a broad enough view of our responsibility, and that was a big mistake. Well, you'll get them next time, champ. All right, that's it for this episode of Assorted Goods. My name is Dan. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it valuable. I hope maybe I was able to get a few gears spinning in that brain of yours. If you want to follow the show on the socials, 
You can follow me and Assorted Goods on Twitter and Instagram. I know, Instagram, I get the irony, but the handle on both platforms is at DisinformedDan. You can also visit the website for the show, disinformed.ca slash assortedgoods, where you can find show notes for each episode and a list of sources used for the information within the episode. So if you want to do a little further reading on all the things we talked about this go-round, check out the sources page for this episode. That'll be up the same day the episode releases. And if you want to support Assorted Goods, all that I ask of you is that you leave it an honest rating or review on Apple Podcasts or on whichever app you choose to listen with. If you want to email the show and get in contact with me, you know, give me a piece of your mind, you can reach me through the contact page on disinformed.ca or just make it easy and email me directly at dan at disinformed.ca. The music for this episode was created and produced by my talented brother, David Felton. Thank you, brother. And credit for the information used in this episode goes to the journalists, academics, writers, editors, and everyone involved in keeping people like me informed so I can provide people like you with a quality show. Thank you again for listening. Take care of each other out there, and I'll catch you next time here on Assorted Goods.